And I'm so excited to be here. I I don't know. I think I say that every week. It's kind of, it might start sounding trite. Maybe you don't believe me that I have fun doing this. But I don't know. The truth be told is um, I create one big massive escape out of my domestic life and find my way over here to KUCI. And I just have a blast because frankly, it's sometimes more fun here than it is at home. <laughs> so, um, but with that said, I'm just happy that you join me each and every week. It really, it just tickles me that I've been doing this for over three years now and I really enjoy it. More importantly, I enjoy meeting new people. And so because of the show, you all out there, the listeners have brought new people into my life. And I, in turn, I'm sure have brought new people into your life too. So um, we try to create value each and every week here. And this week is going to be just like that. Um, we want to make sure everybody has a great, successful start to the new year. And I promise not to whip out any uh, New Year's resolutions on you because, you know, we did a little bit of that last year when we talked about the environment. And um, big shout out to Diana Deem. She was here and it was wonderful uh, to talk about, you know, the trash on your back challenge. And I don't know if anybody called in for that, but if anybody wants to take that up, you can get a hold of her. And that was snetoday.com. That was um, her radio show that she does online. She's like, she's got, she's got like 80,000 listeners. I don't know how many we have here at KUCI. I always get asked that question, but, um, but it's, it's, it's exciting. So if somebody wants to take up a challenge to do the trash on your back for the week, um, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact me through my website and I'll certainly put you in touch with Diana. Um, it would be my pleasure to do so. But, um, but the, but the main reason we come here each and every week is, um, is to share with you what we have, um, what we have in terms of human capital in uh, Orange County. And I just think there's so many fascinating folks that you need to hear about them. And so today, um, I am bringing in an individual who's really been a longtime veteran in the apparel industry. And he's 23 year veteran for that. Um, Guy Channon, he is going to be our guest today. And we're going to we're going to delve into some things that are here local on the university because uh, we want to talk about that human capital aspect that we have here in Orange County. Such a vital part of our future, our life, our our um, our you know our livelihood is is the work that we do. And so we're going to talk about employment. I know. Whoa, that sounded kind of boring. I'm going to take that back. We're not talking about employment. We're going to talk about um, careers and the excitement of a new career and how do you how do you identify what you want in life and who you are and living your passion. Those types of things uh, we're going to touch on today. But Guy's going to share uh, initially when he comes on the air. He's going to share with us about working in um, the apparel industry. He's worked with some of the biggest apparel brands in the world. So he definitely knows the fashion business. And there's a lot of exciting trends happening in the fashion business today. And so he's going to take that experience, he's bundled it up, and he's going to share with us all that he's learned. But more importantly, he's going to share with us a new company that he's founded. He's the CEO and the founder of GameChangersUS.com, which is a talent management company and an online job portal that um, that is really bringing uh, talent to um, the apparel industry for people that are interested in that. So I'm excited to uh, welcome Guy Channon to KUCI's uh, Real People of OC. Welcome, Guy. Thank you, Kimberly. I'm very happy to be here today. I'm so excited. Okay, so wow, you've got that lovely accent. I think you're going to have to give us a little history. Tell, <laughs> tell us who you are and where you're from. Well, again, my name is Guy Channon, and I hail from uh, Cape Town, South Africa, which is basically the, th- the very tip of Africa. And um, I came here to the United States about 25 years ago. So I'm... Now, I'm Guy looks like he's 15, so I don't know how, where we're getting these extra years from, but <laughs> maybe it's from being in the fashion business that you look so young. I, I try and eat healthy and, and stay fit, but yeah, the clothing industry actually will age you rather than it will keep you young. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, actually, you know, I'm, I'm 42 years old, so I'm, I'm definitely... Um, You're I'm up there, dude. I'm getting up there. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I had to poke fun. <laughs> I'm, um, older, I'm older than Guy. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, you know, I came I came to the United States in 1991, and uh, I've been here, you know, like I said, for the last 25 years, and really having an amazing um, go at the uh, fashion and apparel business, which has been fantastic. 
Okay, good. So we have here in California, I think we're really unique. I'm not certain of that, but maybe you can shed some light. I think we're unique in that we have some of the sexiest brands that are born out of California. I can think off the top of my head. Um, we've got Billabong, um, Hobie, we've got Massimo, we've got um, Quicksilver. Can you name some more of the really... Oh gosh, there's um, so many... What's the one my um, son's always wearing? Ruka. Ruka, they Vulcan. Just, Vulcan. Billabong. They just bought my husband a shirt like that. And I'm not sure I'm ready for him to start wearing, <laughs> you know, those what I perceive to be younger brands. But, you know, they really aren't. They're just, you know, the, your generation actually, probably I guess that makes me mine, is the ones that have grown up with those brands, right? Too true. I mean, you know, the thing is, is Southern California is not is a hotbed for these brands and for these great companies because there is such an incredible West Coast lifestyle that, um, you know, that obviously needs to be celebrated and how, how better to do that than than tell that story through through creativity and through apparel and fashion and so there's so many brands that have born out of the out of surf culture or out of california west coast lifestyle culture so it's not it's not surprising but yeah we have great companies um like you said quicksilver billabong volcom hurley hurley rip curl yeah i mean just to name a few there's there's a ton out there and uh and you know uh, we, you know, they have a lot of really great brands up in, in in Northern California too, up in San Francisco, like the likes of Levi and Gap and and and, and the likes. So yeah, it's great. So okay, so everybody's after a little taste of that lifestyle, like you said, the California lifestyle. Well, you came from kind of an area that I would say would be easily um, a resort area. What was it like coming to California from you from all that distance, thinking, oh my God, we have sun and sand where we live. You know, why do you guys think you cornered the market on that? Well, you know, I, th- I think coming from a, a country like South Africa is just so far away from everywhere else in the world, and so uh, you're kind of a little ostracized from the rest of uh, the rest of um, society. Society, yeah. Um, so you know, it's it, it was different. I mean, South Africa was riddled with all um, t- um, sorts of like political issues, and so it was always known that I was going to leave South Africa from an early age. My parents had always said, hey, you know, we're getting out of South Africa for sure. It's a beautiful country. But, uh, you know, obviously coming to, um, you know, coming to the States, it's it's very different. There's commerce here. There's a lot of people. There's consumerism. There's there's an opportunity. There's much more opportunity. And in South Africa, there's not much opportunity. And, you know, the, in, in Africa as a whole, there's not much opportunity. But now the world has become a much smaller place. So... South Africa today is is far different in terms of um, economics than it was 25 years ago when I left. Okay, so how old were you when you came? I came when I was 18. And, and were you a surfer? Uh, no, I would. I was actually a soccer player, oh. believe it or not, and I still. Well, that am. makes more sense. Yeah, actually, I mean, <laughs> it's your sport. Well, Cape Town actually is a hotbed for surf. I mean, uh, some of the greatest surf breaks in the world are in the west, the the west coast of South Africa. Both, both the East Coast and West Coast of South Africa, but I mean, there's, I mean, for every couple of minutes, there's an amazing surf break, which is crazy that I didn't grow up actually surfing. But um, you know, it's strange that I landed up working for one of the mega surf brands in the world in Quicksilver, and and, and as and you know, you would expect that's a prerequisite for actually working for a company like that. Right. But I landed up getting in the water a little bit and testing it and delving a little into surf. But you know, soccer has always been my love and passion. All right. Well, you seem a little too intense to be a surfer. That's why I'm going to poke fun a little bit at you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can, I've I can interviewed chill. surfers before, guy, and you do not fit the profile. <laughs> <laughs> too true. <laughs> So okay, um, you come here. What what is your first entree into the apparel business, and what what is that job that you look for? What what leads you there? What leads a guy to the, the apparel business? Well, it, it's funny you say that. You know, my father actually in South Africa was a garment manufacturer, and he was in garment manufacturing for over thirty years, and so I. Um, I would walk the sew lines with him as a little boy and I would sit in front of an automated, uh, you know, I'm sorry, a manual covered button machine making covered buttons. And and I never actually had necessary dreams or aspirations of being in the apparel industry. Just to kind of happen serendipitously. So when I came to America, I, I was actually obviously thinking of going to college. And uh, I you know was probably struggling a little bit with the culture shock and the culture difference so coming from South Africa to the United States and maybe uh, we can touch on that at some point oh we will certainly will but you know it wasn't by design that I landed up going into the apparel industry and whilst I really was thirsting for tertiary education I uh, landed up actually getting a job in downtown Los Angeles and that's where I really cut my teeth in the apparel business 
Boy, that would cut anybody's teeth for any business, wouldn't it? It's um, That's a whole different animal, isn't it? Was that more familiar to you there, though, given your experience in... Uh in South Africa, you know, I don't, I don't think so. I think I was at the po- at the time just so young, and um, you know, a, a lot of possibilities. But I just needed a job, and it turned out that uh, there was a job opportunity in in uh, in downtown in uh, working for a clothing company called Garon, which is no longer in business today. But you know, they were a large clothing manufacturer and there was a lot of manufacturing going on in downtown Los Angeles at the time. Right. Most of it got like offshored and outsourced so you know there's not much of that going on in downtown anymore but it was it was a very different place and it, it was, was pretty crazy. Yeah I remember I remember in my you know late teens early 20s just being fascinated by I, I thought I was really interested in fashion mm-hmm. but what it turned out I just loved fabric and so I would find my way down there buying fabric constantly I just was like oh just let, let me have the, the darkest crest warehouse and I'm just going to go dig for something really you know fun and rich and I just I, I didn't want to be a designer but I just wanted to work with fabric you and know it, it, it when I was um, working there I didn't really think oh I can't believe it I'm actually in the clothing industry on the fashion industry it was it was a paycheck and um, you know it, it, it really started to grow on me so I didn't have, have these like you know d- dreams of becoming a fashionista or becoming someone um, in a in, you know a participate a participant in apparel I just uh, needed a job and so there you go okay so lead me down your career path then a little bit so from from there mm-hmm. <laughs> then what happened so I, I worked for Garon for about a year and a half and then I um, bumped into uh, um, a, a gentleman from Italy who was selling uh, textiles and his his mill was called Peaky Mills and uh, he was looking for representation on the West Coast. So I ended up selling textiles for, for some time, for about a year, a little over a year. And I found it very difficult to sell text, uh, to sell Italian fabric in, in the United States because high duties for fabric to be you know, imported into the US. And, and the, you know, most of the fabric uh, purchasing was made overseas in China and Korea. So it was very hard to stay competitive. So it wasn't, it wasn't an opportunity where I was able to make a significant um, uh, a, a significant income but I certainly learned a lot about traveling with bags of samples in, in a car and going from you know door to door and company to company in downtown and I loved it so much that I knew sales was kind of a calling for me oh okay because I, I would think that back then maybe Italian fabrics weren't as popular and as well sought after as they are now where people were willing to pay a premium that's or was true. it just happening, just starting to come about? You know, they, it was very high-end, and the fabric was certainly luxury, so there was all these cashmere and wool blends and boucles and, and fancy linens, but you know, just people couldn't afford it. And whilst they certainly loved the product, and it was amazing quality, it just wasn't uh, commercially viable, or you know, they couldn't you know, make sense of the economics. It was just not too expensive. Right, right. So fascinating. You know, you don't really know what those... Um, those problems are in your industry until you you put those boots to the ground do you and then you then like that's the best way to learn yeah. you know what product you should be making because it's a little late you know you've already made the product and it's just not selling but that's kind of an interesting you know a, a great starting place to see so then where did it lead you then so you got to remember i was i was 19 years old or just shy of my 20th birthday so it was it was wild for me to you know you know be pounding the pavements at such a young age but uh, and i was getting amazing experience and certainly the 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 networking was already starting you know as as early as 1992 and, and into 93 so i met somebody who um she told me that her father was looking for a salesperson in the accessory world and i was fascinated by the industry i started to get this fascination about the industry and i wanted to delve into new and different things and so i actually went in for an interview and i guess i nailed it uh, i nailed it and he hired me on the spot and i you know, st- started to sell buttons and labels and belts and some, um, you know, apparel findings, and it became, a, you know, an amazing a job transition for me. And I actually made quite a lot of money at a very young age. Oh well, that's always good. <laughs> Sets you up for a lot of failure later on, though, doesn't it? When it does. the re- when the real work starts to come about. That's <laughs> true. Um, all right, so I'm thinking back to this time when um, these types of refinements were probably very, um, very much. Um, What's the word I'm thinking of? Well, they were probably very, um, very valued among people. Mm-hmm. Um, was 
are you starting to see like in your career let's just call it you know your 23 year career mm-hmm. um some trends where we're losing we're losing that because I, I have a really hard time now shopping for clothes things just aren't as nice as they used to be things are kind of put together and um and maybe with that um with that thing that we've touched on where um they're more interested in that being economically viable than than being wonderful is, is there a lot of that going on now? Well, there's a lot of truth behind that, which is why I think so many brands now are focusing really or trying to focus on quality versus quantity. And, you know, there is very much that, that dichotomy in, <coughs> in the apparel space. You know, you have um, value-driven uh, apparel where it's really all about key items and about stack them high and let them fly. Right. And then there is, the, you know, the philosophy around, you know, some of the not necessarily luxury and contemporary brands. I mean, just, you know, brands in all uh, market segments that are looking looking um, to stand for qual- exceptional quality and, and that being um, p- not just part of their DNA but um, um, part of their value system that they're creating so yeah there's a lot of truth to that Kimberly I mean uh, you know there is a lot of poor quality product out in the marketplace but you can buy it at a price it's true yeah and and uh, okay so it's it's about quarter after and I want to just pause for a second and say if you're just tuning in you're listening to Real People of Orange County and I'm your host Kimberly Martin and I um, I broadcast here each and every week uh, live from the university campus in Irvine and we stream on the web also at KUCI.org in case you wanted to uh, listen that way and if you miss any part of our show you you can always find us available via podcast. So this show will be um, no exception. It'll go up on podcast in a few hours after the show. And you can listen to it as often as you'd like, um, or any of the other shows that we've had. We um, podcast most. We podcast most of our shows here at KUCI. So, um, just something for you to know. Um, I have with me in the studio Guy Channon, and Guy is the CEO of Game Changers. And um, the conversation is going to turn shortly to um, to careers and whatnot. And Guy's just telling us about his career in the fashion business and the fashion apparel business. And so um, he's. He's, we're talking a little bit about the things that I love, which is, you know, buttons and zippers and those kinds of things. I love the fashion business. I love fabric. It was just so much fun. But I put myself through college working at the collector's department in Nordstrom. So I was I was exposed at an early age to some really high quality stuff. And I remember, well, first of all, I, I got to um, I got to meet uh, not uh, Margarita Le, but her husband, uh, Wolfgang Le. He was the owner and she was the designer of Escada, which, you know, those suits back then, I think the jackets were something like 1500 to 2000 And the blouses, we were selling them for $950. And they were flying off the racks. <laughs> Little did I know, things would change dramatically for the economy. But beautiful clothing. And um, I had, I, I got to meet Donna Karen. She came in and I was uh, fitting a skirt on a lady and Donna walks over to her and she says, uh, you know, let me show you how I meant for that skirt to be. And it was kind of funny because Donna gets down on her knees and pins it up right where she meant for it to go. Now, whether that's where the lady wanted it to be or not, the lady uh, bought the skirt for, you know, a hefty, you know, 700 bucks and uh, hemmed it right where Donna Karen told her to hem it. <laughs> and I just thought that was such a such a great moment. You're like, like, here you are. I don't care how much money you have. You're buying that skirt because you just got it hemmed by Donna Karen. And... Um, and uh, one of my other favorite stories with Richard Tyler. Have you ever run across Richard Tyler? He was a great designer in the, um, in the. Uh, gosh, what was Richard? Was he Australian or was he English? I can't remember. But anyway, um, his coats were amazing. They were like some of the last that had actual uh, silk linings, but silk satin linings. And if you, if you ever, if you've ever treated yourself to try on a really nice jacket, whether you're a, a lady or a gentleman, and you put your skin up next to that silk lining. It is one of the it's one of the greatest treasures in life. So I mean, there's there's so much to be had by this. There's so much um, creativity, and uh, I guess one of the things I love, and one of the reasons why I agreed to do this interview, is I love that marriage between a really awesome career and and matching it up with somebody's creativity. Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I like that. Uh, you know, you know. The funny thing is, is so many people that think that they're not creative actually are. I think that we're all born creative. It's the ones that actually tap into that creativity that really, I think, um, goes on to do some pretty amazing things with their, with um, with their careers. Um, but you know the. Um, um, 
you know, being creative in the apparel industry is is imperative. You know, and and, and it's not just being creative; it's coupling that with a, a drive and a passion and a love for this business. And uh, and if you have that, then you 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 know, success is in in the arts for you. Well, it's, it's one of the ultimate examples of melding that business sense and creativity, mm-hmm. which we often hear, it isn't, doesn't really happen very often for other industries. You know, if you're an artist, let's say you're a painter, mm-hmm. you know, not often do you know how to sell your art. You end up being starving often, unless you match yourself with an individual who, you know, wants to sell your art for you. Um, so, you know, the apparel industry is such a beautiful blend of both of those coming together. Uh, you know, there's so many designers that are unsuccessful and, and not because they're not creative, because they maybe don't have the right attitude or they definitely don't have the right marketing skills to be able to commercialize what they have. So it, you know, it's it's definitely, you know, the coming together of a lot of things. You can't just merely be creative to be successful. You can't just merely um, have a business acumen exclusively and not have the right attitude. I mean, these are the things that I talk about with with my candidates all the time and just kind of certain hallmarks that will make them unique and very and 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 very marketable to the job market so true okay so at some point after what i would say is probably a a really illustrious career in the apparel business Mm -hmm. and i'm going to ask you to backtrack at some point and tell some (laughs) stories for sure but i don't want to miss the meat of the matter and the meat of the matter is you wanted to look for a way to put that talent um in the right spot Mm -hmm. and so how what how did this come like what created the need for that? Were you not finding the right kind of people or what was happening that made you think that something like Game Changers, um, you know, and a talent search was, was so imperative to this industry? Well, it kind of goes a little bit back to, you know, to my, my career story. I mean, there is, you know, I've participated in merchandising and design for, for most of my career and, and, you know, a lot of people say that you got, you got into recruitment. I mean, how did that, you know, how does that, uh, how do you transition out of, you know, working in the into the apparel industry, and then suddenly you're going into like human resources. Um, but you know, I just um, I saw a need. You know, everyone in business is looking for a white space. You know, they want to do something that nobody else is doing. And when you do that, that's how you are able to kind of uh, be a disruptor in a marketplace. Sure. So if you're going to be doing what everyone else does, then uh, I think you'll have a much tougher task at being successful with it. Right. Now, disruptor not being a bad thing, but a good thing. If you're in in business school, you'll know what a disruptor is. (laughs) You're not somebody that's going to be handcuffed and carried off because you (laughs) spoke out in a meeting or something, but but really more that uh, changing the way business as usual is done, right? Absolutely. Call that disrupting the normal pattern of business. So I'm kind of fast forwarding a little bit, but you know, as I was, um, you know, when I when I was you know, working for a company called Hybrid Apparel. This is after Quicksilver. And I'm fast-forwarding a lot here. But, you know, towards the end of my tenure with them, it was in this, my third year of working at the organization, I I felt like doing something a little different. I wanted to be independent. I wanted to do, and I, you know, I wanted to have my own business. So owning my own company at the time, I think, was a little um, irresponsible. With the retail landscape and with the economic malaise, it didn't seem like opening up a new brand, starting a new brand was the smart choice. So I reached out to a friend of mine who um, you know, came out from, from he, he lives in the Boston area, and he's actually a recruiter in the, um, in the legal space. He places attorneys and lawyers in big law firms across uh, the Northeast. And he told me about uh, recruitment, and I told him, I, I said, "You're crazy! I wouldn't. I hate recruiters. I mean, who likes working with recruitment?" And he said, "Guy, you are. You would be amazing at it. You're tenacious. You've got an amazing network. You've been in the business for 23 years or 20 plus years. You should. Um, you should look into it." So, I, I took it upon myself to hire a creative. We had to hire a creative director at Hybrid, and this is kind of when I, the last year of when I was already thinking of transitioning. Hybrid was your own company? Hybrid Apparel is a company in Orange County. Okay. It's a privately owned company that does about uh, $400 million in annual sales. A very successful okay. entity. And they... Um, they're, uh, you know, service, you know, big box retail. So they do mass and mid-tier business. Uh, the likes of like Walmart and Targets and Kmart and Sears and JCPenney. Okay. Seven, just to name a few. And they're a branded and licensing house. And I had an amazing run with them. Great company, great ownership. But it wasn't independent. I didn't want to work uh, for the man anymore, so to speak. So, um, so I needed to hire a creative director. And so I said, wait a minute. Instead of going through my human resources department and having them find me somebody... I'm going to call in these agencies and and have them come in and try and find me someone. So I bought in um, 
some competitors that maybe I won't mention on the, um, on the radio, but they came in and they presented, you know, some some resumes, and they, I kind of got to see their cadence and how they operated, and uh, that was the aha moment for me. That's when I said, wait a minute, maybe my friend Mark is right. You know, maybe I should be in recruitment because they are so inept at doing what I consider to be such an important function of um, delivering talent to a client, and so. I actually found my own creative uh, creative director on, and, and I realized I could do this myself. And so Game Changers was born shortly thereafter, put a business plan together, an exit strategy, and I left uh, Hybrid in the beginning of 2013. Isn't it funny how easily something comes together when its timing is right and, you know, when your creativity and all of your, um, your talent is aligned properly, you know? It's strange. And, you know, I think uh, to add to that, you know, so you've got to be careful that... Um, sometimes you become the very things that you have a disdain for. So, I mean, I really never uh, appreciated people in recruitment. I have I had experiences with them over the years, either them trying to recruit me myself, you know, uh, but I realized that, that, you know, that there was a white space. And so that's how I got into talent management. And I got into this, into this, I kind of fell into this world and I've been participating in the last two years since that, uh, that, defining moment in my career. Okay, so tell me exactly what Game Changers is and why is it called Game Changers? Okay, so what is a Game Changer? I mean, uh, it's used so often today and you see a lot of uh, marketing initiatives for big companies talking about they want to be the Game Changer or their product is a Game Changer. And so Game Changers are several things. First of all, I consider myself a Game Changer is because I, I'm fine. I, and I hope I don't sound like I'm trying to blow my own horn, but I'm, as we spoke about disrupting a space, I'm coming into this recruitment world and I'm, I'm doing things very, very differently, which is why I call, call myself talent management and not recruitment because I am managing very talented people and I'm coaching them and cultivating them and giving them basic, basically you know, career options. And you're developing them as well, and right? I love that. And that's part of the very value system that Game Changes is about and I don't really charge my candidates for that I, I really want to you know talk them on the ledge or off the ledge on their career direction and whether or not it's right for them um, similarly on the client side or the brands that I represent you know they're looking for game changers they want people to come into their businesses and help them with their revenue building efforts and uh, especially their um, you know building and developing their brands and so just merely hiring people to, to fulfill a job is just not enough today. Uh, you have to come in there and actually be, uh, you know, very much involved in, you know, what your job function is, but you're affecting the culture of the organization. You're having to collaborate and bring departments and people together. And that to me is a game changer. Okay, very good point. Um, so if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Real People of Orange County, and I'm your host, Kimberly Martin. And I have with me CEO and founder of Game Changers, Guy Channon. Guy's the one with that great accent over there. I'm sorry, I'm going to make fun. <laughs> um, but uh, Game Changers, you can find out more about that by going to GameChangersUS.com, right? That's correct. Okay. And um, certainly anybody can can uh, spend some time looking there if they want to but you're really focusing on the apparel industry with this with this company is that correct correct but you got to understand in, in, within uh, within the apparel space there is a lot there is creative and operational jobs so whether you're an accountant or you're an attorney or you are in a warehouse or logistics you know the, the principles definitely are the same. So you don't have to necessarily be in apparel and fashion to be able to work in the fashion industry. So but to answer your question more directly, Kimberly, yes, I am in fashion and apparel and I'm in multiple market segments um, from, as we call, action sports or outdoor, uh, you know, luxury and contemporary, fitness and performance brands. You know, I, I represent quite a, a cross-section of amazing companies across the U.S. And we love clothes here in California. Uh, it's funny. You know, I have more winter clothes than I have summer clothes, and it's kind of unfortunate because <laughs> I'll pull the sweater out, put the sweater away, pull the sweater out, put the sweater away. <laughs> you know, there's just not many chances to wear those great winter clothes. But um, but uh, the, you have an action sports division, lifestyle division. I mean, I'm looking, I'm looking at the uh, fitness and performance, and that's probably a really big one out here in California. Indeed. A lot of clients in that space. Well, right? you know, there's a, you know, of course you've got, these big giants in Nike and Adidas and Puma and Asics, just to name a few. And but you know, there's uh, 
rapid um, growth that's happening in in the kind of the yoga space Mm. and a lot of these what we call lifestyle brands are are participating in this kind of performance world where their products um, do do much more than just have a fashion sense that they really have a functional sense and so fashion and function collide in 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 this kind of this performance genre that we're talking about right give me some examples like just so the listeners know well I I think a a good example would be you know Quicksilver was always known as you know the surf uh, or beach apparel destination you'd buy board shorts and, t- and 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 t-shirts you know that was a place you could always do that and as the company grew um over the years, you know, they started to do all classifications of business. Um, towards the um, to you know towards the end of my uh, tenure with Quicksilver, you know, they had uh, something called uh, their, their Quicksilver Performance Line, and so this is just one of the many examples of so many brands introducing workout uh, and performance apparel that well, that that can complement some of their already existing sportswear. Mm, okay. Um, okay, good. So, um, we're talking to Guy Chan and here with uh, CEO and founder of Game Changers. And we're going to spend a, a, a good chunk of our time here talking about your career and internships for the students here on campus. We want to um, give you some of Guy's um, hard-earned advice <laughs> and um, probably how you cultivate some of the people that come to you um, seeking employment. I really loved how on um, when I was perusing the website there were so many opportunities for internships and I was really impressed by that so um, one of my favorite things that I did when I was in college is I took advantage of being a student and I found it so incredibly easy to get a job um, it wasn't really a job, but it was an internship, and it was kind of my strategy. I mean, I, I kind of hit on this at a very early age that it was easy to ask for something when you were a student because nobody can turn a student away, but it always turned into a paid position. It was the easiest thing. I don't think I ever had to submit a resume to anybody because I let them get to know me, and that was, you know, that was better than any resume. They got to see my performance. They got to see my work ethic. Um you know, how I handled situations. And I don't think I ever had to actually interview because I just got um, great jobs and a great career from from interning initially. So um, to to that effect, I just want to direct um, students to some on-campus resources that we have here. Um, The the, uh, website um, career.uci.edu is a great place to go and um, find out about what you can get to here on campus. And um, it just so happens that uh, next week, Uh, starting the 15th and going through the 29th is an experience expo intern volunteer and um, so there's a lot of excitement with that and then um, during that time period on January 22nd is the internship and career fair being held from 10 to 3 at the student center in the Pacific Ballroom now at that career fair they're going to have panels and a lot of the discussions that they're having on these panels we're going to talk about today so the first year on the job uh, volunteer to be an intern or volunteer how do you become a volunteer for an organization and convert that to an internship and then I just shared with you how I managed to convert that to a job so that would be the natural third step and then being a student leader and then how to get your internship because that's a big part of your academic um, process here at UCI is turning that great education you're getting into a job so um, let's talk you do a great presentation to students around um, the country let's talk a little bit about that and what you find out there in terms of you know we're talking about that human capital that talent factor in in everybody well you know i you know part of um the very fabric and dna of game changers and what we do as, as an organization is is we definitely are actively involved in the cultivation not of just candidates but especially of the of graduating students out of fashion programs um so i you know i more recently lectured at fidem here in Orange County and also up in Los Angeles and uh, I've you know been on campus at Long Beach State and actually I'm re- I, I did a I was part of a career fest panel uh, in 2010 at the UCI Career Center when I was actually uh, when I was still at Quicksilver and I participated then I really really loved it so I knew that there was a little bit of a calling for me and I always wanted to kind of give back and kind of give these great pointers to graduating students and and uh, and people that are you know basically are making the transition out of university and out of college and into the the the, the work the workplace 
Okay, good. All right, so tell me about um, tell me about what are those those key things that you think students need to at least be focused on now. Yes. I mean, because while you're a student, you can get that internship, and um, and like I said, I when I was on your website, I was surprised at the amount of internships with some of the great local companies here that anybody would love to work sure. for. You know, can you think of any of them off the top of your head, or do you want me to look it up and I see? I know that there are a I ton of Billabong was one Billabong of them? Quicksilver. There, there's there all the companies in, in Orange County that I know of at some point have an inter- internship program and I think it's wonderful that they do that and, and and to your point Kimberly you mentioned about how often interns uh, you know actually get hired on and I, I don't have the statistics but I can tell you that it, it is very very high so I was on to a pretty good strategy there then, I, I think it? you were spot yeah. on um, and you know if you if you go in and actually perform at a very high level and you have a great attitude about not just about the workplace but about relationship management as a whole then there's a good chance you will be hired on with these uh, with these companies that you intern with so yeah i, I think in, you know, going off to internships is uh, an excellent strategy to kind of kickstart your career whether it be paid or unpaid um, of course everyone wants a paid internship Right. And you have to ask yourself before you want that paid internship if if you're going to be demanding more from your employer to teach you mm-hmm. or if you're going to be offering more and, um, you know, giving them really, you know, good service. As an intern, you have to be prepared that um, you're going to create more work for the employer in the short term, probably, right? Because you're really going to school on their time and on their dime. Well, it depends on who you're interning for. I have seen uh, a lot of amazing uh, mentors or bosses, uh, you know, or, or leaders in within organizations that actually take the time to cultivate interns and then actually help them. And then in some cases, I see interns like doing the most mundane, um, you know, the most uh, ridiculous job tasks, like, you know, cutting out things and pasting stuff and, and becoming a bit of a runner for a department. But, you know, look, it's, it's, even if that is the case and you are becoming a runner for the department, you are there. Right. And you are engaging with people. And so putting people aside and saying, hey, can you just tell me a little bit about this process? Like, you know, what do you, you know, how do you, you know, put a, a line plan together or how do you put a creative brief together or tell me about color theory, whatever it is, you're there. So, if you can actually tap into the resources and into the people and create this kind of intimate relationships with people in the you know during your internship then you you know you'll get somewhere so it's you have to have a little bit of a tenacious attitude and approach so that you can kind of you know scratch and claw and get whatever information that you can that will actually help you or will teach you something. Alright, good. So one of the things that you're big on discussing is the difference between relationship management and networking. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about that. Well, you know, they, they, they clearly are um, they are very similar. A lot of people will, you know, sometimes um, you know, they won't be able to really truly separate those the, the, those, two, those two things. So relationship management is is um, is basically what do you do with the relationships that you have with people in your life, regardless of whether it's in business or if it's in your personal life. And so, um, you know, sometimes it, you know, it, you 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 don't really understand um, that you know developing that relationship and actually trying to uh, f- um, you know cultivate the relationship is is absolutely critical to the you know, to your the evolution of of yourself in your career. Um, networking um, is very, very different. You know, networking is you know really tapping into every single resource and every single opportunity that you have as you kind of walk this planet. So if you're at line in Costco, or if you're um, you know at, at a movie theater, or if you're sitting next to somebody on a plane turn around next day and, and and strike up some conversation you will never know the kind of relationship that you can start and once you once you you know you have that then what do you do with that relationship i mean is it just hey i met someone amazing and they funny enough they were in the same industry as i but you never really ping them or email them or you know and and that's the relationship management part that's when you actually have to go in there and work at it a little bit more to turn that network into something substantial right right so but you know i've i guess one of the things i was thinking we might discuss is that um you know everybody's into the whole social media thing today mm-hmm. and oh, i find it such an odd trend that 
people want to pull the numbers on their Instagram or on their Twitter accounts or, you know, I have I have 50,000, you know, people on my Twitter account, you know, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. But, you know, when does it come down to the bottom line? Like, when do we turn these relationships into an actual measurable um, influence on our business and our ability to earn capital? You know, great question, Kimberly. You know, I think that we have um, definitely... Uh, stumbled on on a time where people do not interact with one another. I right. mean, how often do you see yourself in public, uh, I- waiting in line, or you know, j- or, and just so immersed in your phone? And and you know, it's just you know, we forget how easy it is to just look up and talk to the person next to you. Right. Um, so it, it's it's very different. I think there is two sides of networking you, know, you can network through social media which most businesses uh, and 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 most um, you know people try and do because you know you are there's it's far more reach you can get to so many more people but you have to also be able to you know get up and have a conversation with somebody you know and and, and get your nose out of your phone and you know look at the people around you we're, we're, there are so many great opportunities and you know what some of the most fascinating the most interesting opportunities come from the most unsuspecting places okay so give me an example of one I, I, I so so often I'm I'm you know traveling across the US and I'm sitting next to somebody that has an influence in in in, in the industry that I'm in mm. and so you know that would that's a perfect example I was flying um, you know I was flying from from JC Penney from Dallas and I was flying up to Coles uh, which is in uh, Milwaukee Wisconsin and I was sitting next to a, you know a competitor of mine, and we didn't know that until you know twenty minutes before we landed, and we had such an amazing conversation. And so, you know, it's amazing how how uh, what great things we can learn from um, from having these very personal, intimate uh, interactions with human beings. Mm-hmm. And you can't have those when you're tweeting, or you can't really have them when you're looking at someone's Instagram picture and then just commenting. You know, we need to you know promotes more engagement, human engagement of, of conversation and having dialogue. So do you think it's going to be a dangerous trend then for students who are coming this next, you know, this next round of employees mm-hmm. um, and, and individuals looking for careers? Do you think it's going to be a dangerous trend that they've immersed themselves so heavily in the social media um, modalities, if you will, instead of some of the more traditional things, the handshake, the look in the eye, <laughs> those kinds of things? I think it's, uh, you have to... Um, you have to approach both, um, you know, aggressively. You know, you need to be able to ha- have the um, the knack to tap into social media and follow the right companies and 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 hear what people are saying because there's a lot of really great behavior recommendations that are happening in social media. Um, you know, I, I I work very hard on inspiring and 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 giving some great advice you know myself through social media but then i also do that when when i'm talking to someone on the phone so i'm encouraging kimberly for for this for the future employees as you mentioned as you said it they have to you know they have to approach both sides and 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 run the run them parallel with one another and people typically are are very are reclusive. I think you know we've created a, a culture of introversion, where people prefer to you know to email or to text versus to pick up the phone and and call. It's just more convenient. But um, no, absolutely, I, I'm encouraging all your listeners to to approach both um, quite assertively. Okay. All right. Good. So, but one of the things that. I love about your approach is um, you talk about attitude a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, attitude and then also having a passion for your work. Those are probably two separate things, but attitude certainly works off of having a passion for your work. Fair question. Yeah, yeah, I mean, attitude, you know, sometimes I, I wrestle between aptitude and attitude. And so sometimes you can have the most talented people. Um, and not, I'm not talking about from a creative standpoint, I'm just talking about someone who's really capable of doing their job very very well but they you know sometimes maybe have entitlement issues or they have a little ego uh, concerns or they really don't understand and appreciate the need for a collaborative spirit and being able to really connect uh, people within an organization so um, having a good attitude sometimes is actually the prerequisite for getting hired you know so often you know, I hear um, I, I hear of uh, people being hired because it was such a, they had such an amazing energy and they were, and they had just said some of the right things and they had a great value system and a good moral compass and 
you know, hiring managers say, you know, I will, I'll, I'll coach this person. I can teach them how to do the job uh, because they have such an amazing attitude. They have a sense of urgency. They have a, a, an, an ambitious a desire to want to accomplish something and you sometimes can't teach that Kimberly I mean sometimes attitude is is a very much a part of your um your being yeah your DNA and right, so right. Um, but that's not to say that because you don't have a great attitude means you're you know all is lost for you I mean I think you can certainly develop <laughs> behavior oh yes it is no I'm just <laughs> no you can certainly develop um, very um, strong and positive behaviors that can help influence your or um, help your chances of getting hired. And so, you know, going back to, you know, what you said, you know, attitude is just as, if not more important than aptitude. And just because you have a great resume or that you've actually got a, 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 um, a college degree, I mean, is that's just, it's not going to be enough. I mean, you're going to have to come out there and really show a sense of purpose. Very good. Very good advice. Um, so we've touched on the networking aspect and the attitude aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go. I, I mean, I even hate to discuss this because it's so tedious, but the resume. Mm-hmm. What, what's going on in your industry right now with that whole resume thing? You know, resume writing is probably one of the most controversial um conversations that people have when they're when they're trying to transition or they're trying to find find work and often what I do is is even before you start getting into resume writing I always talk about you know okay just you first have to dial in your attitude <laughs> and making sure you have a very good one because that is a reflection on how you're able to to you know provide the architecture for your resume right. you know? Um, but uh, more than anything is actually knowing what you want to do so uh, a lot of times people, you know, I've had situations where you, we've had buyers and salespeople that suddenly, are, you know, want to become, you know, they want to get into marketing. And I say to them, well, you know, you can't have a very a schizophrenic approach where you're in buying or you're in marketing and now you're in sales and now you want to be, you know, you want to participate in marketing. So, um, you know, that's for people that already have work history. But, you know, if you don't know what you want, if you can't set a goal of actually, hey, I want to participate in sourcing or production or ops uh, operations or, or become a designer, you can't really put a resume together. It's very, very So hard. that's a conundrum that I would think a lot of students are in right now because how are they to know what they want yet? They're, they're at a place in their life where they're really just going to find out what they want and they haven't tested enough things to really have a good understanding of what they do and don't like. It's so true, but what happens is, is that when the hiring manager or someone in HR gets their resume, they can't they can't really get a sense of you know what is you know what is it that this person is going after. So it's it is a little bit of a kind of a double-edged sword, if you will, you know, but you have to be able to know, like, if there is a marketing position that you're going after in your cover letter and in your resume, you have to write that, you know, this is something that is... Um, I'm passionate about. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, write to it. And, Attitude. And, <laughs> and so then you can actually, you can start drafting a resume around that and say, you know, that these are the things that are, um, um, you know, this is a, a vocation that you, you feel very strongly about and that you're very greatly interested in. And, Whatever experience you may have, if it's working retail, or if it's working part time, or if it's even doing an internship, that you've that you've been able to take um, a, a marketing approach um, to that to your resume and to that particular job that you're going after. Right, right. Well, so it it also speaks to the sense of urgency to use this time while you're in school more wisely, and that is that this is a great opportunity to dabble. Um, nobody expects you to have it all figured out yet. So now's the time when you dabble. Don't wait for you to get that degree to go get your first job. You really need to start dabbling and doing internships and picking up lots of different um, avenues so you can see what you like and what you love. True. And, you know, Kimberly, uh, you don't need to have just one resume. You can have, uh, uh, you know, two or three drafts of resumes. You know, I've, I've actually seen that and encouraged certain people to have that. So if, if it's a sales job that someone's going after, it could be more sales focused. If right. it's a marketing job that you're going mm-hmm. after, make it, uh, you know, kind of filter it through the marketing lens or if it's a design job, you know, so you, you get to pick and choose what resume you want to send through um, to kind of get noticed it's such great advice you know I was um, I've been on the hiring committee for um, a couple different projects before and I can't tell you how 
little I would look at a resume that didn't that wasn't targeted to me mm-hmm. and so you have to remember when you do send out whatever resume remember which one you sent to which person because um, they're they're going to be speaking to you with respect to the one you sent them and you may not know but I would get these general resumes and I don't they, they would just go into a different pile um, if it wasn't really talking about the job I was offering wasn't interested in hearing about them because they were just sending out big blanket you know mass emails with their resume hoping that something would stick on the wall and um, very, very little would. I'm going to take a quick pause here to say that if you're just tuning in with us, this is Real People of Orange County, and I'm your host, Kimberly Martin. We are here each and every week, and um, and we are always looking to interesting insights from our local people, because in Orange County, we have such creative individuals, and uh, today is no exception. We have with us in the studio, Guy Channon, who is a 23-year veteran in the apparel business, which is a really cool business here in Orange County, because we've got so many amazing designers and so many cool brands um, that have really come out of that surf culture, and so Guy's sharing with us some of his insights in his career today. Um, I want to pause for a minute and let you know that we have some great resources for career um, advice here at on campus and you can go to career.uci.edu and look that up. Um, another important thing coming up for the students is an internship and career fair that's being held on January 22nd at 10. Um, It goes from 10 until 3. They're going to have panels. It's held in the Student Center in the Pacific Ballroom. And um, there's going to be some interesting panels on leadership, um, how to get internships. Um, the career the career center is doing a lot right now from January 15th through the 29th. Um, the Experience Expo is what they're calling it. So they're they're directing you to get out and volunteer. Great way to find out what you do and don't love, right? Um, or to get an internship. Uh, one of the other things you highlight, Guy, in your um, talk with students is being awesome. And I just thought I, that one just made me laugh. And we're going to talk. A little bit about perception too because a lot of people have some difficulty with that but um, being awesome that was a good one to highlight <laughs> well I think that's that's the perception that you want to you know put it, it to definitely paint especially to people in human resources or hiring managers you want them to see that you are awesome so how do you do that how do you get that again you know get that attention and so um, you know as it goes back to you know resume writing it's very very important that you know not only is your template um, you know, um, f- you know, formatted in a way that is easy to read and certainly is consistent with with how resumes should be presented. It's also the how you write them and the details and the depth in which you're able to kind of, um, you know, share s- um, ideas. And so, it's very important that you you don't you know if you want to kind of showcase your awesomeness if you will uh, it's not good enough that you say well I worked on the sales floor and customer service you know it's like w- w- you know if you worked at Nordstrom or at Macy's I mean really what did I you do? I inspired people to buy a lot of clothes <laughs> yes uh, you know you can get that, certainly creative but you mm-hmm. can talk about you know creating a, a great customer experience or that you you know that you really work very very closely with the consumer and the customers that came into the store and really help them in their shopping experience and just it's the kind of th- little idiosyncrasies and some of the details that that kind of you know definitely make you stand out over over someone who says you know I'm you know I, I was I dabbled in customer service but um, yeah I mean you know being awesome is uh, is is hard it's not easy to do and 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 it comes back to attitude it comes back to you know having the right attitude and making sure that you um, understand the need for for being flexible and for being a team player and for being able to um, be a strategic thinker and kind of um, really think a little bit more about who you are as a person and uh, versus more about you know, where do you want to work, um, you know, and so lining up your value system is critical into where you, are, you know, how, you know, um, how you enter, you know, the, your career path or your career journey. And so... These are some of the things that I talk about, and it really kind of dovetails back into attitude. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Mm. Um, so, one of the things that I love about your website is the opportunities that um, that are there for interns. So, mm. students that are interested in maybe finding lining something up, um, certainly consider looking at Game Changers. Uh, us.com and just peruse the internship section I, there were so many interesting jobs makes me want to go back into the industry I have to say <laughs> but 
probably one of the most important things uh, that you address in Game Changers is really doing something you love and finding that sense of passion and purpose. Why is that so important? Because it seems like a luxury when really what we all need is um, to earn a living to provide, you know, food and shelter and water for us. So why is purpose such an important part of this? Well, you know, it's very cliche when you hear people talk about, you know, when you when you do something you love, you'll never work a day in your life. I mean, you've heard that over time and time again. You know, I I can only speak for my from for my own experience. You know, I'm doing something that I love. And um, and when you do something that you love that that you feel like you're is meaningful gives you purpose then you can you will be very very successful at it and so you know if it's just a mean you know a, a means to you know being able to you know get a paycheck is that enough for you to be able to perform at a very high level um, I question that you know but if you truly are doing something that um, you're connected to there is no doubt in my mind that you will um, that you will excel at a very very high level so that's what it really comes down to is what we're what we're trying to convey today I think if if we come down with one really important message is you want to you want to be somebody that performs at your highest level because there's a great deal of satisfaction when you get to that place you know it's kind of like that runner's high mm-hmm. you know you don't really feel it until you get full speed into it and you're just you know you've you've really worked yourself up but you can't work yourself up over something you don't love right it's just not it's not a place for people to find happiness so why not choose something you love? Why not choose something you get excited about? And why not let that be what your life is about? You know, we get so derailed. You know, we think we 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 know what we want, but we don't always until we really stumble on something that's really passionate. It's kind of like a love affair in a way. It's true, but you know, Kimberly, not everybody um, lands up doing what they love. And so, um, with that said, I mean, if you're going to do a job that maybe you're not necessarily passionate about. Um, you better do that job very, very well. And so if you are a trash collector for a job, then you be the best trash collector that you could ever be, even though that's not really a, um, a you know, m- maybe it was a goal of yours or, was a, or, you know, you had aspirations for doing that. And so my point is, is that whatever you do, do it well and do it um, exceptionally well so that when people see you they'll say wow that person is great at their jobs and then it actually it can, it, you know it's that kind of attitude and philosophy that will help you carry into the time when you are going to be able to do your job and then you can do it do something with purpose and be excellent at it oh so important um so, you know, we're drawing down on our time here with Guy Channon, CEO and founder of Game Changers. Um, can you, well, we've got about four minutes. Can you tell me, have you found your passion or have you found it more than once? Uh, yes, I actually have. Um, I, I certainly have. And, you know, it's, of course, uh, if I have to speak in my life, I mean, I, I find that passion in my in my wife and children. Um, but... Um, but as it as it comes it pertains to my career, I mean, I was at ten years at Quicksilver in a time of precipitous growth. It was an amazing organization with amazing people, and so um, that's really where uh, you know I I, th- I believe I flourished, um, and I, I really kind of came, um, I developed in in ways that I could never imagine, and so it was an it was an incredible journey for me, and um, and, and you know each each, each kind of time in my life um, taught me something and even uh, if it was uh, difficult or a little bit more odious uh, it's you know those are the, the times that you learn the most you know and so you you want that level of um, um, difficulty or or, or, um, or challenges in your career because that's that's really when you start developing your skill set so true so um okay so if, like what's your five-year plan for game changers what do you want to do what do you hope to see it do well, I uh, am continuing to work on uh, on on you know delivering amazingly talented people to my to my to my to my clients and to my brands, and so that to me is always going to be the the purpose of Game Changers, being able to con- you know organically connect people um, to companies. The the websites that I have is you know is. Um, more than just a labor of love it's you know this is taking on the likes of some of the biggest job boards in in our industry that participate in fashion so whether it be monster or career builders or these some of these other companies out there this is this is um 
uh, a website that I think is going to be front and center for anybody who's looking for a job in this in fashion and apparel space. It's a portal um, to tapping into companies and news about the industry and about the amazing jobs that we have out there. So I was interested that not all of the jobs were local. Many of them were, you know, back into New York. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, we have a lot of um, companies that we work with, not just in New York, but also in the, just in, in the Northeast as a whole. You know, we have some great athletic companies that we work with um, and, um, uh, and luxury and contemporary brands on the East Coast. So, uh, a lot of the brands even here locally and or, you know as we kind of spoke about some of the kind of action sports brands or the lifestyle brands they have um you know retail stores across the country and, and regionally so yeah this it's it's this is a national it's a national website and there's opportunities all over the country now are they finding you and posting on your website or are you just going out there and finding these jobs and putting them on your website it's a com it's actually a combination of both i mean we need to get permission um for most for the most part and making sure that they're endorsing us being able to kind of post these jobs and then we want them actively to interface directly with the applicants and so if you're applying to the job you're not applying to game changers, you're applying directly to the customer or, or to the brands that they're going after. Oh, very good. All right, any parting thoughts you have for us here? You know, I uh, had a really great time talking to you um, today, Kimberly, and, and, and definitely to your listeners. And uh, I just think that. You know, too often we we think that what defines us in our lives is what we did uh, yesterday.